This is Let's Talk About from Style Canada. And let me tell you, we're talking. Let's face it, we talk a lot. We talk about things we love, hot topics, and anything in between. But what about the things we don't talk about? What about the things we want to know but don't know how to ask? Don't worry, we've got you covered. Let's expand our horizons. Let's talk about it. As we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day in Canada today, we at Style Canada would like to highlight some Indigenous-owned brands. We want to shine a spotlight on these businesses to root for them and bring attention to the incredible work they are doing. Stay tuned throughout the episode for more information and check out the episode notes for details. Hi all and welcome. This week we're talking about celebrating Indigenous success with Jen Harper. Both Jen and I are based here in Niagara and so we begin this conversation by acknowledging the land on which we gather is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee and Ashinaabe peoples, many of whom continue to live and work here today. This territory is covered by the Upper Canada Treaties and is within the land protected by the Dish With One Spoon Wapalm Agreement. Today, this gathering place is home to many First Nations, Métis and Inuit peoples, and acknowledging reminds us that our great standard of living is directly related to the resources and friendship of Indigenous people. Joining me for our conversation today is an award-winning social entrepreneur. Jen Harper is the founder and CEO of Cheekbone Beauty Cosmetics. Cheekbone Beauty is a digitally native, direct-to-consumer brand that is helping Indigenous youth see themselves in a beauty brand while using the concept of the circular economy in the brand's ethos and in developing their latest line of products, creating a new segment in the beauty industry, sustainably socially conscious beauty. Jen, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. And you did a great job pronouncing those Indigenous words, which are very hard to do, but you did a wonderful job. So thank you for that. Okay, good. Thank you. I did a, I did a little research. <laughs> so we want to really, we always start off these conversations by getting a little bit of your story and really what got you, I think you kind of have two prongs to your story in that. What got you talking about advocacy work with the Indigenous population? And then also we'll get into a little bit about the beauty brand itself and how that got started a little later. So maybe we'll start with kind of what got what got you open and, and able to have these conversations. Yeah, so I think I'm definitely not the traditional path into any any sort of uh, entrepreneurial venture or even learning, really. It was really a, an accidental kind of uh thing that happened I literally had a dream back in 2015 about this the indigenous little girls they were covered in lip gloss and then woke up from that dream with this idea that I wanted to create a business that was about giving back to to my community and so I didn't even know to be perfectly honest it's it's like I always say that dream was just kind of a seed that was planted and it was that joy and and that laughter on those little girls faces that sort of uh, uh, where everything stemmed from, but then waking up from that dream and then doing sort of two years of uh, research. And so not only on how to build a business, but in the meantime of that research, that's where I was learning more about 
about my Indigenous history. And, you know, I know, you know, I come from a First Nation community, uh, Northwest Angle 33 in North, Northern Ontario. Um, and I know that that's, that's my family and I know that that's our family story. But the one thing I did not know, which uh, still blows me away to this day, is at 38 years old, I had no idea that my grandmother was a residential school survivor. And so at the same time, I was learning what even residential school was. And it was this system that was designed to assimilate uh, First Nations, Métis, Inuit people into a more European or sort of settler way of life. You know, when people found Canada here, we there there were living lots of different nations of people and and that wasn't, I guess, acceptable to their way of life when you, when, if you think of the European lifestyle. So, um, and then we also know that this, this, this land was obviously a beautiful place. And of course, um, uh, that's the beginning of European settlers coming to our area. And so what that meant though, was an, an enormous amount of trauma at the end of the day. So you're taking a group of people away from their culture. Um, I know for my personal story, I can't speak to anyone else's. I only can speak to mine um, and only knowing fragments of my grandmother's story because obviously uh, coming from residential school, it's not something that she shared a lot about only with uh, my aunties and uncles. So later in, in life, are we finding out what really happened in that school system? And so they were would be physically beaten for speaking Anishinaabemowin, which is uh, Ojibwe, the language of um, my grandmother and my family. And they weren't allowed to practice any of their traditional practices. And that meant from even like, it, it would be illegal for many, many years for them even to have like powwows or any kinds of celebrations that they always had. And sort of all of their traditions were, were robbed from them. And that caused a ton of trauma now known as generational or transgenerational trauma. So when I when I was making all of these discoveries in uh, the search of building a business, it was at the, between 2015 and 2016. I was learning so much about who I was and where I came from and my family's story, as well as learning on uh, about how to be an entrepreneur. I had no idea about either thing, and truly, I consider this a big part of my personal healing journey, like this brand that I've created or this business wouldn't exist without all of those pieces and the, the falling together at the right time, sort of at the right place. And so I learned more about, you know, sort of a, a lot of in inequalities that still happen in, in Canada and uh, actually the world for that matter. It's not just Canada. It's anywhere um, that Indigenous people, so First Peoples of any community, have been impacted by colonization. That has dramatically affected a group of people in a lot of ways and very negatively. And so the more I learned about that, the more I realized that these were things that I didn't know as, as, as an adult. And I felt that this brand could be a part of um, just creating some awareness topics uh, of conversation. And then really at the end of the day, aside from those awarenesses, it was a a brand that needed to be built so Indigenous kids could feel like that they uh, could relate to something. So for many, many years as a young person myself, I never grew up feeling like I could relate to a brand. I never saw my face in any kind of advertising or media. Um, And so I felt that that was a really, really important layer. And so our brand is built on this idea of sustainability. So first sustaining Indigenous kids 
by empowering them through representation. And the next layer of our sustainability journey is this uh, uh, more of an environmental um, one. Well, thanks for, first off for sharing that personal element of your story, because until I heard you speak, the residential school system was something that I didn't, I've never heard of. So that was really interesting to me. You know, I think when it's one thing when maybe and my family immigrated from Italy. So it's one thing, I think, when you're immigrating somewhere new and how you assimilate there, but your family was here and got pushed this upon them, which is is a different thing entirely. Um, so thank you for educating us on that. I, I have a question in terms of did... It sounds like you were on this kind of parallel journey of business and discovering your, your heritage. Did you know that it was going to be a beauty brand first? And, and then you're discovering this at the same time? Or did you know that these two were going to converge? Or was there a moment where you said, oh, these have to come together? This is how... Or was it always part of the business plan from the start? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So the dream... The, the lip gloss was key to that dream. So just popping out of bed that night and being like, okay, yeah, I'm going to figure out how to make lip gloss. And like, it sounds so simple for me to say that now, but it's actually, that's crazy. Right. Like who wakes up for right. a dream and <laughs> says, yeah, I'm going to start this business. It's going to be lip gloss. And then my original idea from that dream that night was I could start a foundation or build a scholarship in my grandmother's name. Having since learned what I do know, indigenous people, we don't name things after ourselves. It's very cultural. Um, I think that it, it comes to a lot of the teachings and humility is a big one. So now I would not name or put a scholarship in my grandmother's name. I might name it something related to our family, where, of course, it would still speak to her and honor her. But learning the more I learn over these last, what, six years of, of being in this uh, about my culture and what is acceptable or sort of what is appropriate, right? Because we live in a world where appropriation is a huge huge, huge, huge problem. Um, and so now I would never, even as an Indigenous person or as an Ojibwe woman, not want to appropriate my culture. So I wouldn't name something after my grandmother anymore because that's just not appropriate. However, that was the beginning. And that's uh, where the idea sort of, I thought, and, and then woke up from that. And, you know, it was uh, 2015 and, you know, there weren't a lot of what are now known as social enterprises. So businesses right. that are doing business and doing good at the same time. There was a couple, Tom's Shoes being one big one that I would do a ton of research on. And then at the same time, learn how he, uh, the founder, I think uh, his name is Blake Mykoski. Yeah. But discovered how he was appropriating, like he was actually realized, oh, I can't have these shoes made and then sent to these villages because then that's taking away work from that community. Right. So, so then he figured out actually a way how to bring work to the community so that he wouldn't be robbing people's livelihood. So it's really important. And this is what I'm struggling with, even now being in the beauty space and hearing other people make comments about using Indigenous wisdom and how they make products and all of these sorts of things. And, and truly understanding, uh, unfortunately, I think it's a very Western view or idea that sort of everything's free game. Like I came up with this idea and surely that's fantastic. But uh, at the end of the day, if you're using somebody else's culture, it's uh, and should you be, there's a lot of important questions to ask yourself. So the more I learned about my culture, the more I realized, oh, okay, so I never want to misappropriate anything as we're building this. And that's why, um, you know, really early on, I added my brother 
as sort of a sounding board for many, many of the things that I was working on because he grew up in our community on our First Nation reservation. He was a youth worker. He spent so much time there. He is, was, and he and my family that live there are very traditional in the sense that um, they do have gone back to their traditional Indigenous ways. It's called, you know, uh, Anishinaabe ways of knowing and being. It's just really like a lifestyle. So much like every other culture has their lifestyles or ways of living. Indigenous people and different Indigenous tribes and nations have very different ways. It's very important not to just throw us all in sort of one big bundle. And yes, you're an Indigenous person, but much in it's it's very much like using the term Asian, whereas we know Asian means several different types and groups, right. and cultures and people. That word Indigenous is the same sort of blanket statement for many different tribes and groups of people. So from, from our family and traditional perspectives, I wanted my brother BJ's insight. So I would ask him tons of questions and, and really get back um, in it, that it isn't really important not to appropriate so many things in so many ways. And so I really, uh, really um, enjoyed having his help at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I've heard you speak of of your brother before, and he's since passed, I believe, and and he seems to still be present though in your in some of your decision making and and things like that. So was he the was he the one of? It sounds like he was one of the main people that educated you on this. But who was there? Anyone else in in your sphere that you were getting information on or doing research yourself or? Yeah, so a lot of online research for sure. And then of course, at like the grassroots level, yeah, my brother was hands down, definitely a a massive resource. And now today, I have, you know, aunties and uncles that I reach out to. My one uncle is an actually an Anishinaabe Moen language expert. It's a dying language. It was actually just voted in the Guinness Book of World Records as one of the hardest, most complex languages in the world to learn, surpassing Chinese which I think, which Mandarin, which I think was always assumed as being the most complicated. One of our employees, actually, he, he speaks Mandarin and he could, he didn't believe me when I told him, I'm like, yeah, it just, <laughs> it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. And this is the hardest language to understand and learn. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm actually grateful that because I've been trying to learn it and learn it with my daughter. And it's very, very challenging. That's amazing. Um, Good for you. Scotland Botanicals is an Indigenous skincare brand that honors cultural plant knowledge, Indigenous science, and self-care rituals. Founded by ethnobotanist Lee Joseph of Squamish First Nations, Squalwin incorporates sustainably harvested botanicals, organic oils, nourishing plant-derived butters, and steam-distilled essential oils, offering skincare experiences grounded in the natural world. Choose from best-selling products like their Kalkay Facial Oil, a blend of organic rose hips and sweet almond and jojoba oils that hydrates deeply for super soft skin. The refreshing Kalkay Rose Toner, a gentle alcohol-free formula with rose and chamomile hydrosols, and the Tuyanoi Cranberry Rose Serum, a luxury antioxidant made with berry seed oils that can reduce redness and the appearance of fine lines. Shop all products at skullwind.com and check them out on Instagram at Skullwind Botanicals. Yeah, definitely have family that I that I reach out to on on several several um topics or areas mm-hmm. of concern and because uh, the internet is only so useful we have to remember that right like and there's people it's almost like 
I feel like sometimes people think like native people or that look of a native American is that real Hollywood version of like, we're still living in teepees. And, you know, of course those are part of our stories and our practices and teepees are still used, but it's there. We, we are a modern people as well. um, And have evolved throughout history, much like every other culture. So I think it's important to find uh, insights from, from all sorts of different indigenous groups and peoples. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And you talked, you know, you mentioned that social entrepreneurship side of your business. So I know you've, you've done a lot of giving back. Is there specific organizations that you really focus on? It sounds like you're focused a lot on the youth population and, and what is the, I think I can guess what the reasoning might be, but why don't you tell us kind of what the reasoning there is or the thought process there is? Yeah, so for sure, focused on the youth early on, again, in part of that research, discovering that there was such an an issue between a funding gap. So kids that go to school on reservation were literally and are literally getting to this day 30 to 50% less funding than a kid that goes to school right here in Niagara or in Toronto or whatever school board that is off reservation. So there's this massive funding gap, you know, it finding out that it's really, it's a battle between provincial and federal government. So, you know, I can't solve that problem, but what I can what we could do as a brand was really just share that. And I felt like that, how are we ever supposed to get kids to like have this love for learning? And we all know, um, regardless of the style of education, because I'm really adamant about sharing, uh, we did a project this past winter that was actually supporting a land-based learning education center with Christy Belcourt, who's a Métis artist. And the project, a lot of the funds we created for that went back to this land-based learning center. So that is a a space where Indigenous youth will go and actually learn like traditional things like, uh, uh, you know, I don't know the the curriculum yet, but I know that it's going to include uh, obviously like going on hunts and, and trap lines and like all of these things that were really important to our ancestors and for survival, if you were to actually live out in, in nature. Right. And mm-hmm. um, if you think about just even in our area, the plants and resources that we have just, in nature are actually phenomenal and if you uh if we could imagine if we all knew about them each one when you came upon a plant what it did uh if you mixed it into a tea and you drank it and that could help with a sore throat or or a headache or who knows right and these exist for us right in our own backyards so i love that idea that learning is it, it doesn't have to be i think the secular version that we all envision when i say education so education, we support any cause that's supporting Indigenous youth and their education. Um, And we're grateful to work with the First Nation Child and Family Caring Society. I found them very early on. And there's a, a a, f- a fragment of their organization called Shannon's Dream. And uh, Shannon Kustachuan was a young First Nations girl from the Attawapiskat First Nation up in Northern Ontario on Hudson Bay. And they had no school for a long time. There was actually a spill or something in the original school, an oil spill. So it was uh, unusable. The kids were then going to school in class in portables that were like moldy, rodent-filled, Um, not any like adequate extracurricular activities or even computers and all of those resources that we know our kids get 
to go and have at school here. So I just, you know, as the business, we thought, well, let's just cause and hopefully with us supporting that more people will hear about it and realize that because, you know, the sad truth is even in 2021, um, Indigenous people hear statements like get over it when it comes to residential school. We hear statements like that doesn't, you know, these problems don't exist anymore when they still, in fact, they do. And that's just the reality of it. So um, as a brand, we hope to become sort of a platform where people can feel comfortable enough to ask those questions. Maybe like you said, you, that it was the first time you were learning about residential school. If someone sends our customer service team a, a question, our team is ready and happy to answer anything for them. Just making this, you know, it doesn't always have to be about beauty because we do get lots of interesting questions. And we're glad that we're here for that, where it's like this this place where you feel like you could ask a question that you might feel uncomfortable asking somebody else. You're, you're actually running two businesses at once. <laughs> you're running an edge. It sounds like you're running this whole educational kind of stream and then, and then a beauty business too, which is really interesting. I didn't realize that you offered your customers that opportunity to, to, to kind of call in and get knowledge about different things too. Very, very cool. And I, I, I love what you said about education. We were having a conversation on the podcast at one point about education. And we so often think, you know, math, uh, spelling, and those are all great. But like to have an appreciation for your, for nature and an environment and those kind of learnings, I feel like that would be something everyone could, could benefit from. So really amazing work that you are doing there. Absolutely. I know you mentioned earlier the sustain line. So sustainability is, is something that's very important to you. Can you walk us through a little bit about how that was developed? Yeah, so we started the brand with very, very like no capital, really. Um, what we could I think afford... I listened that you had about five hundred dollars, <laughs> right, to start. Literally, so yeah. <laughs> that's regist that's registering a business. That's the like twenty nine dollar a month fee to Shopify to build the online store. Using my phone to take pictures of like really minimal amounts of product and just uploading them and waiting to see if really people would buy them. So we worked with a, a great supplier in Toronto. So Canadian made products, but you can imagine at really low minimums, the price we would be paying for, for any sort of goods, right? right? So just re- we knew with that model that, that that was just a test because we were actually losing money for, for a lot of uh, a year and a half by having to pay those exorbitant prices for product. But at the end of the day, it really did help us test the market. And so when we realized that people really wanted a brand like ours to exist, we then started to invest in more research um, and more time on this concept of sustainability and what that really means. And truly, you know, if you think about it, um, the statistics are super clear. Indigenous people are protecting in 2021, 80% of the world's biodiversity, 80%. We only make up 5% of the population. So that's around the world. Who's protecting the Amazon rainforest? Who's protecting the, 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 the waterways? Who's protesting pipelines? And does anyone actually even really know why? And so what Indigenous people have is this actual innate connection with land, sea, air. When you learn about our cultures, you truly get an understanding that we're in relationship with Indigenous people, have teachings where you're in relationship with everything that is living. And 
everything that allows you to live. Um, and so that's not something that's made up or it's, it's just, it's, it's actually, again, part of that ways of knowing and being, it's part of that lifestyle. And so unfortunately, um, there's a lot of commodities and uh, sort of commercial capitalistic transactions that happen that Indigenous people would never be a part of because they realize how that would impact the next generations. So there's like teachings that talk about how are how do we do what we're doing today, how that does impact the next generations. We have non-Indigenous companies called seven generations for a reason they realized that teaching meant the the work and the products and the things you're making and how they're made and how they're sourced how they're harvested where things end up landfill or not that matters to the next groups of people and unfortunately we can tell <laughs> we live in a time where business nobody's paid attention to that because it's where we're feeling the impacts to this day so those are teachings that have existed it's that harmonious uh, way of life that Indigenous people have. So we feel as a brand, I felt an enormous responsibility to start taking that seriously. So moving away from the manufacturer we're using to figure out how we can in-house source Again, we use a concept in from Western Western science called sustainability. Uh, uh, it's called like a life cycle or life analysis thinking. So from harvest of the raw ingredients to the end of the life of a product and everything that happens in between, including how it's shipped, how you can do things like plant trees to eliminate carbon footprints. Um, also not wanting things to end up in a landfill. So how do you create packaging that is compostable, biodegradable or reusable or refillable? So there's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a massive undertaking um, and certainly something that we don't have figured out or know we will have figured out, but it's a journey that we've begun and taken very, very seriously. So a few of the, we've launched a sustained lipstick, which is again, all biodegradable ingredients. So many beauty consumers uh, don't understand even the ingredients in your products. If they're coming from a petroleum base, they're not biodegradable. So they're not disappearing when it goes into the waterways and you're washing it off your face or skincare, skin creams, cleansers soaps, anything going down the drain, it's really important to understand the original uh, raw ingredient and can it biodegrade. And so there's a, there's a lot. I, I could sit here and really talk about this stuff for hours because there's so many parts of how you do this and how you and and how you do it correctly and just don't become a part of the world of greenwashing at the same time. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you could do a whole course on that. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm you must still be learning being educated. A lot. Yeah. I've learned, I've learned a ton and, you know, just from the basic things that we assume if there's a, can be recycled symbol on a product that that's great. Well, it's actually, no, we don't want to recycle things because the recycling waste management systems in every region around the world varies. Not all of them actually recycle. Um, and so that symbol means absolutely nothing. So what you want to do is not have to put something in a recycling bin period. Um, and because it's really based on if your region will recycle it. And so because they're a business, aluminum, for instance, is very valuable. Pop cans, yeah, anything made in aluminum does get recycled because there's value in it. And aluminum is an ingredient that can be forever recycled. Where if something is a colored plastic or certain colored papers, um, those things can't go into your, your bins. They actually just get tossed in a landfill, even when you send them to the waste management center. So it's about the consumer. It's time that as consumers, 
we actually do the research and try to educate ourselves and find brands and businesses that you feel confident in supporting and realizing at the same time, because we, you know, you know, if you are after the cheapest of something, that is where you're, you will impact your own environment in a negative way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Gosh, the, your brain must just be constantly on overdrive because all the different variables <laughs> that, you, yeah. that really have gone into your business. It's, a, it's amazing. I mean, and so let's talk a little bit about the products because the thing is, is you have all these great components, but you actually have a really great product too, that people love a great brand that people gravitate towards. I'd love to talk a little bit about your branding. You know, I love how you use obviously real women. I mean, clearly that was very important to you and having, you know, indigenous youth and I'm sure just women in general see themselves in your branding. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So that was, that was, uh, it's so funny because when you enter the beauty space, it's like, I was never in this industry, so knew nothing about it, except I was a consumer. Like I love products. I've always have as a young girl, like remember, I can still like remember the smell of like that first CoverGirl palette. Like it has that scent, you'll never forget it and how soft it feels. And and so huge consumer, but not knowing anything about the industry. So um, as I was, the more involved and just realized it's so, it feels so shallow and superficial, right? Like, and we knew that, like how many of those transformation videos did we see when, when it's really like such all the Photoshopping that goes into a model. So why can't we just have a real person wearing the products without like overly filtering or photoshopping the images like why can't mm-hmm. we do that um, and the beauty industry is like nobody will ever buy those things like th- those are arguments that have gone on for a long time and I think we're really fortunate to live in a time where people know they want to see themselves and if you yes. have a little hair on your lip who cares we all do at times if we didn't get it waxed You all know we love our candles, so this brand is hitting it right on the money. Designer Angela DeMontene has created a line of original natural soy candles that not only embrace the spirit and intention of Indigenous wellness, but bring the natural world into your home. Infused with essential oils derived from plants, trees, and spices, used since time immemorial, they bring peace, calm, clarity, cleansing, positive energy, and healing that is so needed during these uncertain times. Whether you're working from home, meditating, or practicing your daily ritual, Lodge Soy Candles use ancient plant knowledge and cultural wisdom to promote self-care, mindfulness, and Indigenous wellness for the spirit, body, and soul. They are all natural, environmentally friendly, made in Canada, and authentically Indigenous. Check them out on Instagram at Lodge Soy Candles or www.angelademontane.com. Yeah. So entering this space, you you know, you're faced with the reality that the beauty industry is, can be, I guess, a little superficial, a little skin deep. Um, But we wanted the opportunity to, to use real models, real people and real images. And so, you know, any of the photographers that we worked with early on and still to this day were like, can you like edit as like as little as possible? So like if someone has a scar or is a, 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 a blemish or hair, like these are things that we all have on our skin anyway. And I'd rather us be ourselves and show like at the end of the day, we're here to empower uh, our next generations. And why don't we show them 
them that it's okay to be real. And so we definitely use imagery and images to, to hopefully help people feel uh, a lot more included, even if there is a, a blemish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think both of us growing up didn't have a lot of that imagery. I feel like it was all kind of the one face that you saw of, you know, likely a white, thin airbrush model. <laughs> and so it's so refreshing to me to see, you know, women of all backgrounds, all shapes and sizes. I, I think there's a lot of other pressures on our youth today, but I think that that's one thing that's definitely seemed to have gotten a little bit better anyway. So amazing that you guys are, are part of that movement by all means. So you have a big month ahead, a big month of June anyway. So tell us some of the things that Cheekbone has going on this month. Yeah, so we've been celebrating a lot this month. It is uh, Indigenous Peoples History Month in Canada, and it is uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, uh, June 21st. And so we use this month as really an opportunity to tell as many Indigenous stories as we possibly can. We are in the process of preparing for reformulation on many of our products. So we use this month to launch so many of them. We started off with our our reformulated lip glosses, still keeping the same shades, but we actually were just creating the formulas to meet, for instance, Sephora has a clean standard and a vegan standard. I mean, vegan is a generalized standard for everyone uh, that no animal products or animal byproducts are used in any of the products or the packaging materials. Um, But when for clean, uh, unfortunately, this could be another one of those long discussions, but what clean is, is basically a a category that's been really designed by marketing teams uh, in to be fully transparent and honest. However, there were a lot of ingredients that maybe consumers are trying to protect themselves from, so now are demanding this from brands. So organizations as large as Sephora have created categories, as well as like Ulta Beauty, Credo Beauty in the United States, um, really using EWG as a platform to decipher what ingredients are safe. But at the end of the day, as the founder of a, a, a brand, we we certainly want to make sure that every ingredient is safe for consumers. And so we are transitioning and reformulating just to meet basically Sephora's clean standard because our goal is actually to to be in their their clean category one day. And so I guess the sooner we do that, the the easier that opportunity will come. (laughs) Yeah. Planning ahead. Yeah. Perfect. And you have, you mentioned the heartberry theme as well for the month. And I think it was uh, berries in general being, you know, something of significance to the indigenous population. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, berries are very important to indigenous culture, as well as a lot of things that come from different harvesting and depending on the season, but June um, growing up in, in the Niagara region, for sure. We're familiar with June being the, the month of the strawberry and indigenous people uh, call the strawberry, the heartberry. Cause if you do look at a strawberry, it does look very similar to the heart. And so it does. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, meaning behind this berry because the season is so short. Um, And so you can find all of that information on our website as well. That's great. And can you, can you give us the website and social handles too, just so we can pop over? Yeah. So it's cheekbonebeauty.com and at cheekbonebeauty on Instagram and Twitter. And you'll find us just cheekbonebeauty on Facebook and LinkedIn. Well, thank you, Jen, so much for taking the time to be here with us today. You, I mean, 
your entrepreneurial journey is impressive, how much you've grown this brand and really how you, your passion definitely comes across and how much you care about every aspect of that brand. So, you know, I, I hope that there's more businesses like out there, like you really, it's, it's quite impressive. So appreciate you being here with us. And we're looking forward to continuing the conversation with you online. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for tuning into this conversation. We will have a brand new one on a brand new topic every Monday. If you were intrigued by anything in our conversation, we encourage you to talk about it. Tell a friend, post on social media, take action in your very own way. Subscribe to get the newest episode at your fingertips as soon as it drops. Until next time, check out Style Canada, a disruptor in the media for its community of inquisitive style seekers. You can find us at style.ca or on social media. Just like this podcast, Style Canada is not just about style. It's about living a lifestyle that leaves people open to evolution and opportunity. This episode was hosted by Elise Gasparino, produced and edited by Alia Ballas. The music credit goes to Raspberry Music and was brought to you by Style Canada. Oh,